DW Africa Link The time has come to get all the updates from Africa and beyond. This is DW's Africa Link. Hello and welcome to the program with me, your host, Josie Mahachi. And I'm Isaac Mugabe. Welcome to those listening to us through our partner stations and on our Facebook page, DW Africa. You can also check us out on Spotify. Now coming up on the program, the clock has begun ticking to the general elections in South Africa in just two months' time. We hear what the top three candidates are promising voters. Over the next five years, the ANC will implement a jobs plan. Chief amongst these, first and foremost as a priority, is ending load shedding. When they say today is Freedom Day, you must tell them, what is freedom without flushing toilet? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our press sport in, in Johannesburg just spoke to some South Africans who voted for the first time 30 years ago in 1994. And this is what one of them told him. 1994, I was 51 years old and I voted for the first time. I was angry because to have taken so long to do something so simple as to put an X. Stay tuned for more of that and more coming up after the World News in Brief. DW News. And I am Buba Jalo. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Tuesday said that he had arrived in Saudi Arabia to promote his peace plan and discuss potential prisoners of war exchanges. Saudi Arabia maintains ties with both Moscow and Kyiv and has mediated between the two warring sides before. In Nigeria, over 1,000 demonstrators marched on the National Assembly in the capital Abuja on Tuesday, rallying against soaring living costs. Joe Ajeero, president of the Nigeria Labour Congress, hoped the nationwide protest would pipe pressure on the government. They are suffering in the land. They are suffering for the worker. No worker can live on 30,000 minimum wage. And over 150 million Nigerians are living below poverty line. Poverty, when you say below it. Those are the people that can't get something to eat on daily basis. And U.S. President Joe Biden says he's hopeful a ceasefire deal for Gaza can be reached by next week. Talks are happening in Qatar right now. The aim is to secure a pause in the fighting in exchange for the release of Israeli hostages who were taken during the Hamas terror attacks on October 7th. You are listening to Africa Link News on DW, Germany's international public service broadcaster. Crisis talks called by Senegal's President Macky Sall entered their second day Tuesday aimed at setting a date for a presidential election that he had postponed. Civil society groups are trying to mobilize support for a vote in the next few weeks. The Constitutional Court overturned the delay and Sall, whose second term expires on April the Second, on Monday, launched the uh, two days of talks to set a new date. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has ruled out sending Western ground troops to Ukraine. European leaders have been walking back suggestions by French President Emmanuel Macron that European troops could be deployed to Ukraine. And at the conference of European leaders back in Ukraine, Germany, um, Germany Scholz downplayed the idea. We obviously discussed ways to arrange for the support. And after a very good debate, we decided that what was agreed from the outset also applies to the future. 
untereinander und miteinander festgelegt worden ist. Namely, that there will be no ground troops, no soldiers on Ukrainian soil sent there by European countries or NATO states. And finally, the American Odysseus Lunar Lander mission is suspected to be caught short after its sideways touchdown near the moon's south pole. It has sent back its first images from the moon, which could also be the last images. Engineers here on Earth expect to lose radio contact in the coming hours because the spacecraft's solar panels are not getting enough sunlight. And for more news, go to our website, dw.com. I am Buba Jalo. And you're listening to DW's Africa Link program with me, Isaac Mugabe. And me, Josie Mahachi. You can be part of the show by commenting on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. In case you miss this particular edition, you can also catch us on Spotify. Now, we begin the program in South Africa, where people there are, will be going to polls on May 29th in what is expected to be a historic election. The polls will be held 30 years exactly after South Africa's historic first democratic elections in 1994. 27 million people have registered to vote so far, a million more than those who registered in the last national election. DW's Diane Hawker brought us this report from the ground. The African National Congress launched its election manifesto in a medley of entertainment and policy promises. Thousands of party supporters traveled from across South Africa to hear President Cyril Ramaphosa outline how the party plans to govern over the next five years. One of the key focus areas is fixing the country's ongoing jobs crisis. Over the next five years, the ANC will implement a jobs plan, a plan with the first pillar being a massified public employment plan by creating and sustaining 2.5 million work opportunities, delivering public goods and services. We have the experience South Africa has high levels of unemployment. The most recent Statistics South Africa survey places the official unemployment rate at 32.1%. If you include those who are no longer seeking work, the rate goes up to 41%. Many opposition party leaders blame the ANC for creating the jobs crisis by not resolving South Africa's energy crisis. In 2023, South Africa experienced more than 330 days of load shedding, the local euphemism for electricity power cuts. John Stiernazen leads the Democratic Alliance, South Africa's official opposition, and believes that creating the correct condition to do business in South Africa is the first step in the solution. So you've got to look at the metrics that are going to turn the economy around, and chief amongst these, first and foremost, as a priority, is ending load shedding. Load shedding is a huge constraint on being able to attract foreign direct investment, to keeping local investment going, and to keep businesses alive and growing. So addressing the load shedding crisis is going to be a number one priority. 
The Democratic Alliance also recently launched its election manifesto on the steps of Ramaphosa's office, the lawns of the union buildings. The choice of location can be seen as a warning to the ANC that their time at the helm is limited. The DA is hoping a multi-party coalition will unseat Ramaphosa. The party plans to join hands with a number of smaller parties to boost its chances in parliament. The third largest party, the Economic Freedom Fighters, has decided to go it alone. The party got 10.8% of the votes in the 2019 election. Leader Julius Malema says much more needs to be done to achieve South Africa's democratic promise. When they say today is Freedom Day, you must tell them your freedom is still coming because 1994 was a missed opportunity. What is freedom without water? What is freedom without houses? What is freedom without flushing toilet? There are more than 300 political parties registered to participate in this election, including a party led by South Africa's former president, Jacob Zuma, called the MK Party. And for the first time since 1994, independent candidates will be allowed to stand for election at national and provincial level. Political analyst Dr. Ongama Mdimka says despite this competitive environment, the ANC is likely to retain the majority of seats in parliament. As far as political parties are concerned, it will be more of the same in terms of who has got what share of the vote or the seats in the National Assembly, except that I think that the Democratic Alliance and the ANC will have reduced margins and the AFF may have slightly more and there will be newcomers that have got, uh, uh, that make their entry into legislative politics. If the ruling party's numbers do drop significantly, South Africa could see coalition politics entering the parliamentary arena for the first time. This could mean parties will need to form alliances and trade positions to ensure that laws are passed on time. Diane Hoka reporting from Durban. Now, as always here on Africa Link, we bring in experts to tell us more about a particular topic. And in this instance, we are talking about South African elections. Daniel Silke, independent political analyst based in Cape Town, is live on the phone. Daniel, good evening. Yeah, good evening to you. Welcome to the show. So, Daniel, straight to the subject. Is the country ready for the much-anticipated presidential election? Well, I certainly think our electoral authorities, the independent electoral commission, say that they are generally ready. But I think there are a number of issues to uh, cope with. First, there are a whole lot of new political parties that are in the process of attempting to register. It's quite an onerous process. They have to pay in certain amounts of money. They have to get a, a certain amount of signatures in order to be on the ballot paper. And then they have to choose where they're going to appear on the national ballot or the regional ballot. And I think there are some, there's some unfinished business in terms of the practicalities of the registration of all of our political parties, and there are going to be plenty of them. Now, uh, Daniel, for the first time since 1994, independent candidates will be allowed to contest the election at national level and provincial level. What effect is this likely to have on this year's election, particularly on dominant parties like the African National Congress, the Democratic Alliance, and since you said already that there's some new entrants who might become out stronger than mm. expected. 
Well, you're right. Independent candidates, individuals will be able to uh, register and will be able to be, have their name on the ballot paper. But I don't think that they're going to make too much of an impact. Um, I think that uh, there are far too many individuals who have, in fact, decided to launch their own political parties, uh, a, a plethora of small political parties all across South Africa. Some of them will be national parties. Some will only be uh, on the ballot paper in uh, one or other of our provinces. And these organized political parties, I think, are going to make more of an impact. South Africans really um, have not got any history with voting for independent candidates. They've only known uh, the, uh, the, the political party process. Uh, and therefore, I think smaller political parties are going to fragment the vote of the bigger parties. And I think that's going to be the feature of this election. The bigger parties are going to struggle to hold on to their existing votes. Uh, and some of those votes are going to go to the many smaller parties on mm -hmm. both the center and center right of the political spectrum and on the left and extreme left of the spectrum. All right. The official opposition DA is pushing more for coalition. Daniel, what are the chances of having a coalition politics entering parliament this time around? Uh, well, certainly if the ruling African Congress drops to below 50%, they will require coalition partners. My own view is that the ANC may well drop below 50, but not that much below 50. So they would require perhaps one or two of the smaller political parties mm -hmm. uh, to form a governing coalition. And I think that's the more likely outcome in this election. The main opposition, I think, is uh, still relatively small. Polls show them at uh, 20, 22 percent of the vote. And therefore, I think they're quite far away from even trying to form a coalition with like-minded parties. Uh, Daniel, to an outsider who has been following uh, elections or politics in South Africa, we know of, of, or I know of the African National Congress and as being that party very strong, especially the, uh, 30 years ago when uh, Nelson Mandela, the former president, yeah, who could be now turning in his grave. I mean, is it losing support? Because I've been reading around and it looks like the NC is going to lose uh, seven key positions to opposition parties, where do you, where do you see the ANC in the coming days or before this election? Yeah, look, the ANC have been losing support successively in each election, in our national elections and our local government elections. Remember in 2021, when we had municipal elections, the ANC nationally got below 50%, 46% in fact. So uh, the party has been struggling. Clearly, uh, voters are uh, uh, disgruntled. They are depressed. They are blaming the ANC increasingly for problems when it comes to the supply of energy, the logistics breakdown in South Africa as well, state that enterprise is weak. Um, and voters, I think, are uh, uncertain as to whether they're going to cast their votes. In many cases, they know that they are fed up with the ANC, but they're not quite sure what the alternatives are going to bring as well. And that's why I think one of the critical aspects of this election will be the percentage poll, how many South Africans really come out to vote. And uh, from an ANC perspective, it will be critically important that the ANC bring out their voters, because if they don't bring out their voters, those mm. opposition parties mm. are certainly going to score. All right, quickly before I let you go, Daniel, what chances do the Zoomers have? I mean, just tell <laughs> us what's happening with the Zoomers. There's my families. <laughs> well, the, 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 the former President Zuma started his own party, as you've mentioned, the MK, Mkonto, with his party. It really... Um, can gain some strength in the province of KwaZulu-Natal. I don't think mm -hmm. it will gain to gain strength nationally, but in KwaZulu-Natal, it can push the ANC vote to below 50%. So uh, former President Zuma can be a spoiler in KwaZulu-Natal. He can upset mm -hmm. the ANC there. Uh, and I think a fair amount of instability in that particular province, and it's a very important province economically and from a demographic point of view, 
certainly I think uh, will be the feature of this election. Thank you so much, Daniel Silpa, for joining us here on DW's Africa Link today. Yes, and uh, you are still listening to the program broadcast every Monday to Friday from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. Once again, to remind you, my name is Isaac Mugabe. And mine is Josie Mahachi. Thank you so much for joining us on all our partner stations across the continent and on Facebook page DW Africa. And just to remind you of our story, we were talking about the elections, or we are actually talking about the elections coming up in South Africa. It's exactly two months today before the uh, South Africans go to the polls. Now on Facebook, which of the three major political parties do you predict to win the elections and why? Ebrima A. Jalo says, if South Africans want the best for themselves, they need to vote for the EFF. We shall come back to your comments a little later whenever time allows us. Now, still to come. We invited a Congolese family that lives in France where it performs rumba music. We started to create music as a family around, uh, I would say, t- 2015. <laughs> Josie, I know you want us to start with that story. That family, by the way, mm-hmm. has become the talk of Paris, you know, and they, their genre of music is rumba. But before that, Josie, some serious business on the top story, just like you told our followers on Facebook page, DW Africa. Duduzani Zuma is the son of former South African President Jacob Zuma. I'm sure, Josie, you do remember that name, isn't it? Of course, everybody. And, we loved him. Then, <laughs> the dancing part. Exactly. <laughs> and he has formed his own political party barely two months after his father dumped the ruling African National Congress NC and formed his Omkonto Wesizwe party. Duduzani says he's all game changers. That's the name, the AGC party wants to give young people a voice. He also says his party's focal point is identifying South Africa's position in Africa and the globe at large away from petty party politics. From mm. Johannesburg, our correspondent Tuso Kumalo looks at who Duduzane Zuma is and whether his background has prepared him for the crowded field of over 350 political parties set to contest the election. Tutuzani Zuma describes his old game changers party as the new kid on the block. He says young South Africans are tired of the same old politicians in power with no solutions to the nation's problems. We just need something new, something fresh, and we're those people. And most importantly, we're looking at a longer term view in the next 50 to 100 years. But while he talks about leading the new kid on the block, Tutuzani himself is a chip off the old block. The 41-year-old is the son of ex-president Jacob Zuma and his second wife, the late Kate Zuma. Of the over 20 children Jacob Zuma fathered with his six wives, Duduzani is the best known. He studied information technology and during South Africa state capture inquiry, some witnesses described him as the facilitator of activities for the corruption-accused Gupta family. But Duduzan says he is unbothered. I don't live in regrets. That period in time was a period in time. There's a lot of lessons that have been learned. There are a lot of disappointments that, that um, I've been through. There's a lot, of, a lot of just general public sentiment around it. You know, and it's, and I think it's a, it's, it's a great talking point for everyone to be concerned with the landscape of what South Africa is. But my involvement in it, as I always say, I'm innocent. Like his father, against whom he is competing in this coming election, 
Tutuzan says he does not regret leaving the ANC, a party he was born into. The ANC, its former leaders, its current leaders have played their role. There's a lot of rejuggling, um, reshuffling, and you know we don't have time for that. It's done, tried, tested, and it's clearly failing. That's why we're having these conversations. That's why people are raising their hands and we wish more would, but myself included to say, this is clearly not working. You're not fooling anybody. He also does not shy away from the question why he did not join his father's Umkonto Wesizwe party. He's a wise old man, but where we're at now, I'm doing my own thing, I'm doing me. He's doing him and it's all good. There's nothing wrong with it. Dr. Trust Matsilele is a senior lecturer at Birmingham City University's journalism program. He says Duduzani's past might come back to haunt him in the polls. Well, it will be interesting to see how Duduzani's manages to navigate this uh, political terrain, considering his strong ties to the African National Congress, a party that in part can be credited for his wealth that was largely built during his father's nine-year tenure as the head of state. Uh, there's no doubt that Duzani Zuma benefited uh, from some of the questionable dealings with the Gupta Associates. Many youth are not convinced Duduzani is the man to turn around their country's fortunes, and Tawum Kalu is one of them. It seems like a family business now, especially now that his son also has formed a party. So I don't think it's going to garner much support, except for the people that are just genuinely loyal to, to the Zuma family. Those are the people that are going to support it, but there's no chance of them even winning an election. Whether Duduzani Zuma can cave out political space for himself in the crowded field, that will be decided by voters on the 29th of May 2024. Okay, we are all waiting for that date. Now that's our correspondent, Tuso Kumalo, and we see all your comments coming in. We will definitely get back to those. But now South Africa's Freedom Day is roughly two months away. This year, April 27, also marks 30 years since the first democratic election that saw the ANC win with an overwhelming majority. And Jesse, it was an overwhelming majority, like you say, and many observers, including yours truly, myself here, um, that crowded, <laughs> I mean, it's so crowded, 350 50 parties, mm. everyone wants to watch and see what will happen. Well, there's some residents of Johannesburg who remember vividly well what happened 30 years ago when they voted for the first time. 1994, I was 51 years old and I voted for the first time in 51 years. I was angry because to have taken so long to do something so simple as to put an X against the name of the party that I thought would deliver my freedom, economic, mentally, psychological, and political. It's now 30 years later. I'm 80 years old. I look back in those 30 years. I applaud certain things that have been achieved. But there are certain things that I feel it was not part of our future. We didn't envisage that things would work out this way. Yes, I feel sad these days when I look at the corruption, the political violence. We had political leaders in 1994 who had a vision and a dream to serve our people. In 2024, we are political opportunists that are looking for work for the next five years. I'm not excited 
because all the opposition parties, they don't know how to play the game. You know, they would be ahead if they were smart. But really, I'm just curious to see what will happen. <sighs> I wasn't born. I was born in 99. They voted. There was a big change. I'm not registered to vote, so I can't vote, yeah. I'm expecting the same party to win, so... I was born in 2000. <laughs> From my parents, they told me that they were very excited because they wanted to be free from apartheid and stuff like that. I'm excited, but they're not that excited about what's happening in this country because now there's a load shedding and there's some other things that this country is going through. So, but then hopefully maybe there's going to be some change in this country. Uh, during this time in 1994, everyone was very, very excited. Everyone wanted to vote because we knew that we are going to get the equalities that we were hoping for, that we were longing for, for a long time because of the apartheid. It wasn't easy. So when we were promised that we are going to vote, so we were very, very excited. Everyone wanted to make sure that they are going to cast their votes so that they can make change in their lives. But now... Uh, not anymore. We're really tracking our feet because we know that it's so useless to vote anymore. If these people get into power, they tend to forget us. Before the votes, we will be promised lots of things. We will be promised jobs. We will be promised change in everything. But now we know that they are lying for it. They will do it for their families. They will do it for their pockets. Well, those who are residents of Johannesburg uh, telling uh, our reporter what they anticipate in the upcoming elections. And this is a story we're going to start following mm-hmm. very closely. We shall always bring it to you whenever we can, Josie. Yes, but for now, we move on to showbiz. Your favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A Congolese father inspired his three French teenagers to make a new kind of Rumba music. If you know what rumba music is, you know the Kanda Bongo Muffin. Is it Kanda Bongo Muffin there? Yeah, Kanda Bongo Man. Not Bongo. Bongo Man. Eh? Bongo Man. Bongo yeah, man, yeah yes. I'm saying Bongo Muffin. Or Franco Luambo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we have what Fali Pupa. Yeah. yeah. Their music has now taken over France. Well, just when they visited Bonn here, I had a chance to speak to them. It's mm. the, it's the Bantu Nani and Misanto family band. They're proud of giving birth to a new kind of Afrofunk genre. We started to create music as a family around, uh, I would say, t- 2015. It gave me time to spend time with my children. We will find a way to build a better future where all has way. It's um, a mix of, uh, of generations, generation. like um, there is uh, the generation of uh, my father and there is this generation. Mm-hmm. It is exactly what we want to express it in, a big mix of different music, different styles, different generations. Let's stand together.
find ourselves uh, inside a nice Afro-funk disco soul gospel music. <laughs> a lot of things. So you can resume that about Afro-funk. We as uh, youngsters, we listen to uh, modern music, so we have references that uh, sometimes our dad doesn't have because we, we can say, uh, oh, no, this song should be, I should sing it this way because people uh, today listen to it this way. Uh, I don't know, uh, this singer sung, uh, sung it this, this way, so we will sing it this way. For example, Young and Free, uh, I sing it with the head voice, like, uh, na, 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 like this, like disco vibes, like the Bee Gees. For example, they used to sing it this way. But we, there was a great hesitation. When we went to Congo, it was to make the first album made only in, in Congo. You know, I was born in Congo, but I grew in, in France, you know. So it was for me coming back to in a kind of new planet. Very. I do understand that this groove needs to be Um, more well-known in the world as different parts of Roomba. Yes, and we have to end it on that note. My name is Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Josie Mahachi. Until tomorrow, good evening. mind.